Today on Blue 58, the Packers have a huge rookie class coming in with 13 players vying for a chance to contribute at some point this season. For a deeper look at this year's crop of prospects, we turn to Tyler Brook, a certified film junkie and sharp football mind. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for today's episode, popping into your feed on an off-season Monday. I think it's always important to get different perspectives on things. And while we've gone pretty deep on a lot of the nuts and bolts on this year's rookie class, you know, where they came from, what they could do this year, the bare, you know, stats, what they can do on the field, stuff like that. I wanted to try to give you a look into what they can do from the viewpoint of someone who has really dissected their tape going deep into each one of these guys. So I turned to Tyler Brook, who has done a lot of great film work for Acme Packing Company and will soon be bringing that same level of detailed analysis to a new role at FanBuzz. Tyler knows his stuff about football. On top of cutting tape for APC, he coaches at the high school level and has co-written a book on the in-depth details behind the sport called The Science of Football. But don't take my word for it. Here is Tyler Brook on the 2023 Green Bay Packers rookie draft class. So, Tyler, you've recently gone through a film study of every draft pick the Packers have made this year. Uh, first, right off the bat, so it doesn't get lost, so people don't have to wait to the end, where can people find that if they want to see some video clips of what we'll be talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. So pretty straightforward. Uh, if you're on YouTube, just go to Tyler D. Brook. Uh, that's B-R-O-O-K-E. D is in dog. Tyler D. Brook. Um, I have a bunch of Packers rookie previews on there. I've been messing around with a couple film room things as well. But yeah, it was just a project. You know, every year I try to go through the film after the fact, even though I've evaluated most of these guys. Um, and just go back and see, you know, what's the film? How's that scheme fit going to work? Um, what, you know, what could they potentially bring, whether it is on offense or defense? Uh, I don't do kickers just because I have uh, no way to evaluate those guys. He, uh, Andres Carlson seems like he kicks the ball good sometimes and not so good other <clears throat> times. That's about all I got on him, too. That's that's better than I have. <laughs> so I guess you talk about scheme fit. That's a great place to start with Lucas Van Ness right off the bat. I mean, yeah. the athleticism doesn't need any introduction. He's His nickname is Hercules. Everybody knows what he can do in the weight room and on the field from a testing perspective. But scheme fit is something we've talked a lot about on the podcast already. How do you see him fitting in with the Packers based on what he did in college? Yeah, so it seemed to be a common theme with a lot of the you know kind of edge guys the Packers took, but it feels like they also have some defensive end versatility you know with their hand in the dirt. And when I watch Van Ness, it feels like that's where he can win a lot is like as an edge setter or a run defender where, you know, he's engaging at the point of contact off the snap, uh, and he's just so physical there and so athletic that he can just dominate there uh, and kind of control his matchup. Uh, as far as a pass rusher, you know, the bull rush is probably what everyone's heard about. He does flash some moves more than you'd expect, um, but it's not as much as, again, you want to see from a premier pass rusher. So if we're thinking of next level, I don't think he's going to be a Rashawn Gary. You know, if I think if Gary was healthy, the entirety of last season, we're talking about a double-digit sack year. Um, I'm not sure Van Ness will get there right away, but we know for sure, you know, early downs is where he's going to make his money, uh, being a real run stopper, which honestly is something uh, the Packers defense desperately needed last season. The Zadaria Smith kick inside sort of package stuff has come up a lot already. Do you see that as a realistic projection? Um, I don't know if he has the same exact, like, you know, lateral quickness off the snap. Uh, I don't think that's exactly his game. But he absolutely has the power and size to, you know, be kicked inside. 
Dropping down to the second round, Luke Musgrave comes off the board number 42 for a tight end, probably the most athletic tight end they've had at least since Jermichael yeah. Finley, probably well before that as well. The athleticism is tantalizing there. What does he actually do with that that projects to the Packers? Yeah, I, you can see a lot of, you know, I was actually surprised at how much they played him in line uh, as a blocker, and I don't think it was as bad as I was expecting. But it's the play speed that stands out. I mean, you can run so many routes with him, whether it is in the middle of the field, across the formation, where he's just going to make plays because he's just going to get out and go. You know, the problem with that is, you know, I, I have some questions after the catch. Um, can he stay upright uh, on like through, you know, weaker tackle attempts? But his ability to just get open, um, whether it is, yeah, coming across the formation on like a flat, um, you know, running up the seam, you know, he has a lot of potential there as a route runner. Um, just to burn past linebackers. I want to stick with tight end just for a second. We'll jump over Jaden Reed and circle back to him, but kind of sticking in that tight end mold, compare him to Tucker Craft. How do they line up? Because Craft is a great athlete too, but he's a different sort of player than Musgrave in a lot of ways. Yeah, this is actually why I like these two picks so close together is that we're, you know, uh, Musgrave is that fast, get open guy. Craft's kind of the get me the ball and I'm going to run over people kind of mold. So just kind of a, I like the um, complementary aspects of their games. Um, there's a couple plays I watched from him. Obviously, he's playing against FCS competition, but you know, Kraft gets the ball and he's stiff arming guys, and they're bouncing off the turf, or he's just breaking tackles with ease. Um, some of the ways that South Dakota State got him involved were impressive, um, as far as you know, tunnel screens and things of that nature, because they really clearly felt he was their best playmaker. Let's just get him the ball in his hands, however we can, and then let him make a play. In a weird kind of way, that tunnel screen play, which came up three or four times, I think, just in his highlights and in your film review, was really encouraging to me. Because on the one hand, it is a gimmicky sort of play. It's not the sort of thing that he's going to run in the NFL. But on the other hand, it was the coaches saying, we've got a dominant athlete here. We don't have to run typical tight end stuff. Let's just get him the ball and see what he can do. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh... I, I, I'm very curious to see, you know, what, what the personnel packages are going to be with these two guys, and then how they're going to utilize them. It's very exciting. Now, both still have some work to do as blockers, uh, which is kind of why I was hoping Mercedes Lewis would stick around in some capacity, because um, I don't think they could have had a better mentor. But that'll come with time. It, it's just more of them just getting in-game experience, which I think will be vital for them this season. I wanted to ask you actually about the blocking aspect there with both of these guys. How much does that worry you as someone who evaluates tight ends? Because most rookie tight ends when they come in are not good blockers and are not refined blockers at all. So how big a concern is that? Uh, You know, it's going to have, they're going to have some warts. That's, that's any rookie at any position. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something to keep mind of, but you know, the real problem is where we're in year two or three and it's the same issue. Unfortunately, you know, the Packers do have a guy when they do want that lead blocker on run plays or something is that's where DeGuara comes into play, which, I think one of the over, uh, overlooked parts of all of this is I still think there is a role for DeGuara. Um, you know, he is more of a fullback, but I am curious to see if they want to get him out as a lead blocker or just a blocker in general while these two rookies get their feet under them. Circling back to DeGuara, though, looking at the kind of the personnel groupings that you can get with Musgrave, with Kraft, with DeGuara, do you see a shift to more 12 personnel type stuff than they've really leaned on in the past? I mean, I would be stunned if it's not. Um, especially on early downs, you know, you have so much personnel there where I think they did legitimately turn what was, you know, kind of a question mark in this offseason to what might be a strength, maybe not right away, but I think pretty quickly. So I I think I've heard that they've been running some 12 personnel in some of the camps, so I would not be surprised to see a lot of that early on. 
Sticking with the offense, we jump back up to the second round, Jaden Reed. Now, Reed is, like a lot of these guys, a little bit of a projection because the Packers seem to envision him in the slot, but he didn't play in the slot a whole lot at Michigan State. What do you see about his game that kind of would lend you the, uh, or lead you to believe that he can do the things that the Packers want him to do? Yeah, so this is one of the guys I was super high on coming into the draft, but I did not think in any way he was going to be a Packers type. Um, you know, a little under six foot, not 200 pounds. Um, I just remember watching him, not this past season, but the year before, and just being blown away by some of his playmaking ability as a wide receiver. Um, you know, what the backers are getting from him, if he is going to move into the slot, you know, loves to block, will get real mean with it, um, will actively upset defensive backs. Uh, and then he's just got shiftiness. His foot quickness, his ability to gear down, gear up, um, he can really make guys miss. And then for a smaller uh, r- wide receiver, uh, his contested catchability floors me. Like, it's definitely one of the bigger strengths of his game. He is fearless going up against the ball regardless of who's on him, and he will more often than not come away with the catch. So when you have a separator in the slot that also has the toughness like he does, uh, I think that's where it's super exciting about him as a prospect, especially because the Packers, you know, outside of Randall Cobb, have really missed having a you know reliable slot receiver. People do use the R word with him from time to time, uh, calling him a bit of a reach. 50, maybe it's a little bit high. Where would you have taken him? Yeah, I mean, I had a day two grade on him, but it was more of a third-round pick. But again, I mean, we're just – that's apples to apples. And in a class that had so many small wide receivers, he's probably one of the more thickly built small receivers, if that makes any sense. Um, But again, they just needed a slot receiver. I know people had wanted Jackson Smith and Jigba. This one makes sense, too. Um, doesn't have the injury concerns that JSN had, and also has that toughness factor. So that's day one and two in the books. Day three, things get a little bit weird, starting with Colby Wooden, uh, defensive end out of Auburn. Now the Packers seem to think of him more as an interior guy. What do you see here with Wooden? Yeah, this this was a tough one for me going on the film. I had not watched him coming out of college and went back. And it's hard to see the fit. You know, he's kind of an edge. He's kind of an interior defensive lineman. But I'm not sure he has the athleticism. I'm not sure if he has the play strength to hold against the point of attack. <clears throat> now, granted, he does have some quickness. He can make some spin moves. He can flash some, you know, going across the face of a lineman and shooting into a gap. So there's some stuff there. But for me, this is a long-term project. I think he just has kind of the frame they're looking for from a potential, you know, five-tech defensive end. So uh, I don't expect much from him as a rookie, but I think it's kind of one of those stash, hope he can do something. Sean Clifford is not the most exciting quarterback prospect. He seems to be a pretty good athlete, uh, and people worry about the where the Packers took him. But seeing that the Dontavian Wicks came off the board just 10 picks later, I think that mitigates some of the concerns there. Yeah. Looking at Clifford, best-case scenario, what do you see him becoming in the NFL? Is there anything here? Oh, my gosh. Best-case scenario, I mean, he's going to be a Charlie Whitehurst, a guy that plays – 11 years in the NFL, um, you know, has a very strong understanding of an offense that if he has to go out there, you know, he can do something. And I think the athletic ability does help with that. Uh, you know, I I was pretty negative on him when they drafted him. Uh, I don't think it's totally fair sometimes uh, that we are so negative on just kids. Uh, that being said, you know, if, I, if I'm going to say nice stuff about him, I mean, the athletic, well, athletic ability is absolutely there. And then what I was really surprised about going back on the film is how much of a control job Franklin gave him over their offense. I mean, the amount of pre-snap checks he's making um, before plays just shows you just how much Franklin trusted him to run the offense. 
Uh, and from a guy that played that long, that is good to see. So hopefully he can bring some of that experience catch on with Green Bay's offense quickly and be a sounding off board for Jordan Love. And I think at the end of the day, that's really what they want from their backup right now is someone that can get a hold of the offense quickly and uh, be just you know someone that can help out Love schematically more than anything. Couple not so exciting picks there to start off day three, but I think everybody in the APC circles, at least Acme Packing Company, seem to be pretty excited about Dontavian Wicks. Are you in that category? Oh, absolutely! Another one of my guys. The two wide receivers they took early on were two guys that I was like, these are my pound the table receiver prospects. Not necessarily for the Packers, but just you know for the league as a whole. I think these guys have really special ability, uh, and for me, just the fact that they got Wicks in the fifth round. Feels like, you know, if, if everything goes right, that could be one of the biggest steals of the draft. Why is that? Because I think based on his 2021 tape, which everybody talks about, he, it looks like that would have absolutely been a steal. But 2022, he seems to come back to earth in a big way. 30 catches, 430 yards, two touchdowns. It doesn't look that exciting. So what changed between 21 and 22 and why does that not concern you? Yeah, you know, obviously the program had a lot going on. Um, there were some coaching issues. Um, offensive staffing was a concern, but also the school shooting at the University of Virginia, um, losing a teammate. Uh, there's just a lot going on there mentally. Um, Wicks has admitted as much, but as far as the player himself, what he's still able to show off in the past season outside of the drops is just a phenomenal route runner. I think, you know, you could maybe nitpick and say that his release takes a bit of time, but his feel for his releases to get open, the way he moves, allows him to be such a natural separator. And then, you know, even if he's not the biggest burner deep downfield, he tracks the ball so well when it's thrown deep um, that he can always get under it. So there's a lot of playmaking ability there. Um, as an X, as a Z, expect him to be an outside receiver. Uh, they can create a lot of separation. I think that'll be very helpful uh, in this offense. Fit is a bit of a weird thing to try to project, but where does he fit with the receivers the Packers have right now? Is he more Christian Watson or more uh, Romeo Dobbs? I expect him to compete with Romeo Dobbs. I, I think Dobbs holds that edge again. A year of experience in the NFL, that especially that first year, feels more like three, uh, especially for these guys trying to get their footing. But you know what? The wide receiver position, that's not the end of the world. You know, Guys are going full speed. They're probably running more and covering more ground than anyone else. So you're going to need fresh bodies out there. I do expect Wicks to get in on some rotations. So just because he's not starting over Dobbs at the beginning of the year doesn't mean he won't play, uh, in my opinion. I do expect him to be out there. It's such a coach speak or, you know, like take artist sort of thing to say that he plays bigger. But 6'1", 210 is not all that big, but he looks so much bigger on the field when I watch him. Yeah, absolutely. I think he just I think he's not afraid to use his body to, uh, you know, lean up against defensive backs or anything like that. And I think he has the play strength. Yeah, that's why I think he projects best as an outside receiver, just that physicality. Speaking of size, that's kind of a natural segue into talking about Carl Brooks, a defensive lineman, I guess, who played down the street from where I live at Bowling Green. Weird sort of college prospect, wouldn't you say? Kind of a stand-up edge a lot of the time, but playing around 305 pounds. Uh, Very productive, but I don't know what he is in the NFL. Your thoughts? (laughs) To be completely honest, I don't either. I will tell you, I had so much fun watching him because it's just absolutely fascinating. He is so big, but he moves surprisingly well. He flashed a ton of pass rush moves. Like, you want to talk about someone. I know he's going against Mac tackles and whatnot, but his just feel of setting up certain moves and having so many in his bag at that size made him so fascinating to watch. But it sounds like he's probably going to be kicked inside. So it's so hard to project because all the things I felt like he was strongest at were as a pass rusher on the edge. 
So uh, I'm not sure how he handles the point of attack. He might have to reshape his body, um, which is absolutely doable at the NFL level. So it, it's a huge unknown to me, but I, I think he flashes the movement skills that make him a fun player, just not sure what the role is at the next level. Do you even have a comp for him at the NFL level? Is there somebody that you think he is like that kind of gives you an archetype to look at? To be honest, no. It's it's uh, it's hard to think of many three hundred pound edge rushers that move like that. I, um, it's not a it's gotcha just, question. I just I'm I'm looking for yeah. somebody who can give me some <laughs> sort of comparison here because I haven't been able to come up with one either. Yeah, it, it, it truly is fascinating. It's, I think it's a shame that he won't really get edge reps, especially with how crowded that room is. But very curious to see if they throw him out there on third downs um, to see if he can kind of work with the other pass rushers. Um, maybe scheme some stuff up. I won't make you talk about Anders Carlson, but Thank I you. think the Packers <laughs> do have some interesting picks in the seventh round. I, seventh round, it, it's always hope. It's made, It's mostly fool's gold, but some interesting prospects here, starting with Carrington Valentine, an athlete, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I did not watch any of Valentine before this draft, but I do feel confident of these four seventh-round picks. I think he was my favorite to go back and watch. Um, just excellent movement skills. Definitely an undersized uh, kind of cornerback, but when he reads and reacts correctly, which he does a lot, um, he will lay the lumber. Um, I will say there's a lot of you know, blown coverages in their defense, especially, you know, I watched Tennessee, which blown coverages against Tennessee's offense are going to happen all the time with the way that offense works. But I think it's part of their defensive scheme is just, you know, it's, I, I believe it's they're running pattern match, which is, you know, you're trading off the responsibilities based on how wide receivers are running their routes or where they're cutting. Um, so I think that leads to a lot of communication errors uh, for more inexperienced defensive backs. Um, but I always, I, I, I'm impressed with, you know, his awareness, his instincts, his movement skills, he is undersized. I think he will get bullied against the run. I think the teams will try to run at him. Um, but the coverage skills are absolutely there. And I think he competes with a guy like um, Shamar John Charles for, you know, a reserve potential rotational defensive back. I was going to ask about that because John Charles is almost exclusively a slot sort of player, even dating back yeah. to college. That seemed to be his game. That's where the Packers wanted him. Can mm -hmm. Valentine move inside at all? I think so. I think he just moves so well that I don't think he's too worried about, um, you know, who he's covering or what side of the field he's on or if he's in the middle of the field. That's just kind of how his movement skills work. I think your only concern if he is in the slot is, again, easier to run at him because he's so much closer to the line of scrimmage. Three picks later, the Packers go with Lou Nichols out of Central Michigan, a big back. That seems to be what they're they're going for this offseason. They also signed another big one, Emmanuel Nichols, a, an undrafted free agent who got waived by the Broncos. They seem to like their bigger guys. What do you think of Nichols? Because on paper, he looks really like a guy you'd be happy to get in the seventh round. Not overly athletic, but seems to move his mass pretty well. Is there anything here? You know, I had heard a lot of good things. And honestly, I had watched the 2022 tape and I had been told that he was dealing with, you know, an ongoing ankle injury after the fact that I had watched him and done my video. Because um, honestly, I was a bit disappointed with what I saw, especially when you consider the production and the level of competition he's playing against. Um, just seemed like someone that, you know, kind of struggled with contact balance. But, you know, I will when he finds a hole and he heads straight downhill. I think his momentum can help him pick up chunks of plays. It just didn't look like a burner to me. Didn't look like the most explosive player. So uh, it's going to be tough to compete, especially when that RB three role has some real competition with Patrick Taylor and then even Tyler Goodson, who showed us some flashes last preseason. The pass protection always seems to be a big question for rookie mm -hmm. running backs to come out. Is there is there any hope there for Nichols? 
that will be where he competes. Uh, his pass protection is excellent. I, I think I watched him deplete a guy on one of the first plays I watched of him. Um, he is fearless as a pass protector. And if yeah, you are a late round UDFA kind of guy uh, and you don't pass protect, that's a, that's a surefire way to not make a roster. So if there is any hope for him, it is knowing that, you know, if they need a big body to come in and, and six man protection schemes that he can absolutely fill that role. You talk about draft steals, at least judging by the consensus boards and seemed like things like that. Anthony Johnson seems like he might be the biggest steal that the Packers got mm-hmm. in this class. What do you think of Johnson? Where does he fit yeah. in on this defense? What does he do? Yeah, very fun player. Um, was a cornerback and then converted to safety last year for Iowa State. Um, I watched him late in the process. Uh, Tex Western, our corporate overlord, um, was the one that had suggested that I take a look at him. Um, He reminded me a bit of Jay Ward out of LSU, who was another prospect in this draft, a safety, versatile DB that I was a huge fan of. Uh, Maybe not as physical, although there is some physicality there, but I just think he's a playmaker. I think he has a good feel of when to attack for the ball, when to stay back and just try to, um, you know, be a safety and hold back and then try and make a play after the catch. Um, But there is a lot of playmaking ability there. I like the athleticism. Again, I think he's a little smaller for a safety prospect. I think he needs to bulk up quite a bit. Um, but again, just kind of like Valentine, he's an instinctive player. Uh, unlike Valentine, I do think he's a bit more physical. I mean, I, I watched him make a nice goal line stand where he just attacked into the backfield and laid a pretty nice hit on a running back. So I think he has some versatility and ability there. Um, just, I think someone, especially in such a crowded, but not star studded safety room, there will be opportunities for him to try and stand out. One of the things we talked about on this show a lot in the pre-draft process is the kinds of safeties that are out there. You know, your nickels, basically a nickel corner guy who's going to play in the slot a lot or a guy who's going to be like in the box or going to be a deep safety. Where does Johnson project in the Packers defense in your eyes into one of those roles? Man, great question. Honestly, I, I could see a world where if he focuses on one of those three roles that he could do it. So it's hard for me to project, honestly. I think he could do all three effectively. It's just a matter of does he need to specialize in one of those two find a home. Um, and, you know, as much as, you know, people might question Joe Barry and the defensive staff, uh, I'll leave it to them to make that decision um, because I, I don't think they could go wrong with having to specialize in any of the three. The good news for him is there should be opportunities at just about any, yes. any role in the Packers secondary. So he should be able Definitely. to find a home. The Packers finish out on day three with Grant DeBose way down at pick number 256 out of Charlotte. You had one of the more colorful descriptions of his games that I can recall. I wonder if you remember what you said about him in terms of who he might irritate on the field. I honestly do not know. You said that he seems to be custom built to irritate people of a certain age and race. <laughs> Yes, old white men. Yep, yes. yep. He uh, he brings a little bit of swagger to his game on the field, I guess is what I'm saying. So what are the Packers yeah. getting out of the swagger-filled Grant DeBose in the seventh round? I uh, I mean, I was absolutely stunned watching him that he was a seventh-round pick. I know he's had an interesting journey. Uh, I believe he played at a junior college. that's program was canceled due to COVID and was working a bunch of different side jobs like bagging groceries and things like that. Um, before ending up at Charlotte where his old quarterback had you know, found a gig. It's like, hey, you should come try out here so we can try and get you on the team. He comes on the team. I think he had something like 16 touchdowns over two years for Charlotte. Just a real outside playmaker. Um, jump ball guy, very physical, very urgent with his routes, which I think can be an underappreciated component of a guy like 
even if his footwork's not the cleanest and his technique is, you know, still a work in progress, you cannot coach urgency on your routes. And he just, I think he runs everything 100%. Uh, he is hard to bring down after, you know, after the catch. His contested catches are fun. And what I love is when he makes a big play, he will let you know it. Uh, he is kind of an a-hole, and I think you need some of those guys in the wide receiver room. Um, so and I, I just think he's a tough guy. I think he will refuse to get cut. I think he's one of those guys that's going to work his tail off every day um, to make sure that he can make this roster. Pairing him with Wicks, uh, kind of just a general question here. Special teams is always a big potential component for these young wide receivers making the roster. We thought that was going to be something Samori Ture did last year. It didn't end up being being a part of his game, as at least as a rookie. Do you see a role for DuBose or Wicks on special teams? Maybe not Wicks, just because I think he lacks the top in play speed. I'm, I'm thinking like kickoff or gunner on punt or something like that. But DuBose, I think he just, again, that urgency and intensity and his size, honestly, would make him a pretty interesting player to contribute on some special teams units. Um, I'm hope I'm just hoping he makes the roster. I, I had so much fun watching his tape, and I just love. I, again, I, I you know this is probably the coach and me talking, but you know you can teach a lot of things, but I don't think you can teach the effort and the uh, the competitive toughness that Debose has. Broad question here, and you can take it any direction you want to go. Looking at yeah. the Packers' undrafted free agent class, anybody jump out at you? Yeah, so uh, you know I did a video on Brenton Cox because he was a fascinating story. I think it's hard to get kicked off of not one, but two top flight SEC programs in Georgia and Florida. But the tape is phenomenal. You want to talk about a guy that can play with play strength and, you know, rush the passer. Uh, discipline's not great. Uh, I think there are times where you can get frustrated, but the flash is there. I'd scream, you know, potential day two pick to me. Um, like if he can harness it in, if he can keep his head right, uh, that's a player that I think could compete in that edge room and be a really effective player for the Packers. Um, I honestly haven't watched too many of the other undrafted guys. Someone I've been really interested in is Malik Heath, um, who was a more productive receiver for Ole Miss, um, than Jonathan Mingo, who I loved. Um, and I did see Heath flash a few times, but it's not someone I took notes on. Um, from what I've heard, he's been really shining in training camp. Just, again, another situation such a – it's becoming a crowded and young wide receiver room. Does he have a chance of making the roster? Um, but those are the two names that have stood out to me. Uh, but Cox especially, I mean, I'm hoping he gets some reps in the preseason because I'm fascinated to see how he deals with NFL competition. This is not germane to draft discussion or anything like that, but last year you published a book on the science of football. I've actually just mm -hmm. finished reading that, and there's a lot of interesting nuggets in there, some small stuff. Uh, on a whole bunch of different topics throughout the NFL. But what I wanted to ask when we finally got you on the show is what have you learned since then about how the, the game has changed uh, that has surprised you about uh, how football is continuing to grow here well into the 21st century? Oh, fascinating question. I think <clears throat> where I'm fascinated where football is going, honestly, may not be the real science or injury stuff, but it is the gambling component of things. And we talked a bit about that in the book. But with all of these suspensions coming out this offseason, all of these updated rules uh, and the continued push of these gambling companies to be. I mean, I'm literally have the Packers draft picks up right now and I'm watching an ad for Caesar Sportsbook. Um, it is just the amount of targeted ads and then the issues that we're having with players gambling. Uh, this could be a pivotal moment. And how are how are the leagues going to deal with this? Because it's not going away anytime soon. Um, and it truly does fascinate me how we're going to be able to handle it. Tyler, you're making a move professionally, leaving Acme Packing Company to land where? Where can people find you? 
Yeah, so starting July 10th, I'll be taking over as editorial director of Fan Buzz, which is a sports site that was recently purchased by Publishers Clearinghouse. Um, unfortunately, they will not be paying me out in giant, giant checks. I didn't check that. Um, so a little bummed about that part, but I'm very excited for the opportunity. Um, this brand is fascinating to me. Uh, if you want to know more about you know the off-field stuff, I think you can go anywhere for finding out the scores or who hit the home run, who scored the touchdowns. But if you want to learn more about the people uh, on the field, off the field, what they're interested in, um, you know, what are those moments that make us love sports as fans? Where'd the Lambo leap come from? You know, why do they sing you'll never walk alone at Liverpool games? Um, I just think there's so much to sports that we don't talk enough about um, that. I think it makes that makes them fun and why we keep coming back to them. So, Really excited for that opportunity to grow that site out. I think we, you know, I think we have limitless potential there, and can't wait to, you know, start working on hiring staff. Thanks again to Tyler Brook for appearing on today's show. You can find him on YouTube by just searching his name on Twitter under the handle at Tyler D Brook, and soon in a big role at Fan Buzz. His book, The Science of Football is linked in the description of today's show. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Blue 58. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you would take a second and share it with someone you think would enjoy it as well. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.